It's the Instant Reacts podcast for week number nine. The regular season now officially in the books. Quincy game just went final. So that's the last score, I think, from our area. So now, what do we what do we call this? Uh, I, I'm joined by Kyle Campmeyer and Mitch Stormer here. What do we call this? Is this like the preview to the playoff preview? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think so. Mitch was in deep thought about it. Kyle had the instant, the instant reacts, you might say, Kyle had there. So I think yeah, yeah. The, the playoff preview is tomorrow in the NUIC football headquarters. I'll be making my trip to uh, the heart of NUIC country, joining Kyle Campmeyer and Joe Meridian for the NUIC football playoff preview show. But I, like I said, tonight's kind of the, the preview to the preview. So if you listen to this, then make sure to join us on YouTube, uh, you know, Saturday at 7 o'clock. Well, and like your show tomorrow night is kind of like the instant reacts to the playoff pairings. And then you and I are going to do an instant reacts to the instant reacts. So <laughs> there's a lot of things happening here, a lot of moving parts. There's I'm, a lot of content coming your way here. In the that's right. Days. A ton of content. It's the best. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Mitch, as we would say right. here on the podcast. Right. We would say it, but we'd get in trouble. So uh, we wouldn't We wouldn't yeah. sing it or play an audio clip from it, but we would sing it. <laughs> no, no. Well, like I said, week nine in the books here, Mitch. I was I was at home tonight, and I I mm-hmm. jumped in because you were you were busy, you know, with family. So I jumped into Twitter, jumped out of the fifth X. grade volleyball, Greg. Fifth well, grade volleyball. I was not with the family. Okay. <laughs> How did it go? It was great. They were uh, all the games were uh, best of three, and they all played two games. So that was perfect. No extra time tonight. <laughs> there you go. So as you're watching the fifth grade volleyball, I'm, yeah. I'm jumping in to play the role of Mitch Stormer and Holy cow. It, it's been a while since I've, you know, been in on Twitter. And, and after I see you week in and week out the way you do it, I, I tried for a quarter and I, man, I couldn't keep up. It was, I was over my head. I was swimming. I, my head was, I was overwhelmed. Finally, you texted and, you know, Superman to the rescue. Yeah. You jumped in and, and thank God. Cause I, <laughs> I was drowning over here. It takes a lot of retweets of Kyle's tweets to make Friday nights work. <laughs> when, which Thank we you. found out, which we found out those retweets are actually oh, coming no. from Kyle's better half. So that's right. Now we know, now we know who does the heavy lifting on Friday nights here. I'm walking the sidelines covering one game. Normally same with Kyle. And, and I can, you know, when there's multiple scores being fired at you at the same time, it was, it was overwhelming. So Mitch, like we said, Week nine in the books, and there are three teams from our, you know, coverage area here that can claim nine wins in nine weeks. We got Quincy, the Blue Devils go nine and oh. We got Lena Winslow from the Northwest Upstate Illini, and we got Stark County. So there you go. There's our three undefeated teams from the area. Oh, we should include Amboy from the eight-man ranks as well. Right. Amboy also unbeaten. I don't think anyone, I don't think we forgot anyone. I think that's, that's our unbeatens. Yeah, no one beatens just a lot of eight and one teams though too. Um, yep, Princeton, Rockridge, Kiwani, Morrison, um, Anne Weathersfield, uh, and that's it. So yeah, yeah, a lot of lot of good football. But I, I, we said just before we started recording that that might be a low for us in terms of unbeaten teams. We'd have to go back and look, but it feels like it. Seems, three seems low, but we're still going to get. A hefty number of playoff teams, and that's what we like to see more than anything. Yep. 
Well, let's jump in and talk. For, well, first of all, Kyle, welcome into the show here. You were covering the uh, one of the eight-man uh, teams that remains unbeaten there at Amboy. We'll get to that one down the way, but how is your uh, how is the Friday night looking? Because besides covering the Northwest Upstate Illini in Amboy tonight, you're you're our bracketologist. You know, Friday Night Drive has the Seuss, but our resident bracketologist is right here in Kyle Campmeyer. So, what are we seeing? What any general overviews, scores that stand out? Thursday night kind of shook them some things up a little bit. Yeah, Thursday night shook some things up, and going into tonight, there was still the the possibility of two, four, and five teams getting in. Well, a couple of those four and four teams that were projected to win did win, but there was a couple others that were projected to win that lost, which could give us even a few more four and five at-large teams to get into the playoffs this year. Granted, some of those teams are going to be at the upper levels. One of the teams that we were talking about was Brother Rice, but they did win, so we don't have to worry about them. And there's a couple things I still need to take a look at because the CPL kind of did some things differently this year than what they've done in years past. So it's kind of thrown a, a ratchet into a few things, mainly in my brackets above three a. So, uh, but it still plays an effect because you got to take some of these teams in and out to get the correct teams into the field. And that can make adjustments on which five and fours or four and fives get in and, all that good stuff. So I, a little I, bit of balancing out I got to do yet. I give you credit. I don't know how you keep up with it, man. I it It is impressive. Mitch, you're, you're not doing that kind of legwork either, so. No, not at all. I was going to say, though, <laughs> because we talked about this earlier, Kyle, um, Lamont won. They did not lose. They beat uh, whoever TF North is. They won 19 to 18. So I know you mentioned that game is one of those games that might sway a few things here or there, but they won that game. Um, taking a look around, like Deer Creek Mackinac won tonight to get to five and five and four. Um, I don't want to scroll through everything. That was a big one. Effing, Effingham won. I, I don't even know what class they're in, but I'm just looking at four and four teams that won tonight. Uh, Rockford Lutheran beat Genoa Kingston. That was a big one. Um, I think I had Rockford Lutheran picked. So yeah, I don't want to I don't want to go through all of these all these results because I don't know what class they're in. And again, not everyone's final, but yeah, it's it's gonna get interesting here in the next 24 hours for sure. Yeah. Well, before we, you know, kind of jump into the the bracketology, I, I think we should uh go through the scores because Mitch, you kind of pointed out that by the time we get to next Tuesday, when we release the next regular podcast. We're going to be in full playoff mode. So week nine will kind of seem like a distant memory at that point. So we're here to talk week nine. We're here to react. So let's get into some scores here. Mitch, run down the Western Big Six for us. We already mentioned Quincy gets the win. So I guess we'll start there and move along. Yeah. Yeah. So Quincy gets their first 9-0 season since 1935 with a 56-33 to win over uh, Muhammad Seymour. You had a shootout. With UT and Galesburg, the Panthers get their fourth win of the year, 63-46 to over Galesburg. And then things got a little crazy. You had Rock Island playing upset to Geneseo with a 15-12 to win there. Uh, the Rocks finish with three wins in their last four weeks, and Geneseo does the exact opposite. And then the other one was Sterling. 
upsetting Moline 22 to 17. So now both of those teams sit at four and five. And, and again, it likely their seasons are done, but it, it gets a little crazy this time of year. So you just, you never know, but um, Moline was looking to secure that fifth win and they might've been able to sneak into that top. I think they were projected maybe 31, but that was with a win. So we'll see what happens. But again, Sterling with a 22 to 17 victory over Moline. Yeah. I think there's still an outside shot that Sterling or Moline could get in, but I say that very hesitantly because it's, it's still a four and five record. And, you know, you got to get a lot of breaks. You got to get a lot of help. I, I don't think that both will get in. I think there's potential that maybe one or the other somehow. But, Kyle, what, what say you here? Four and five teams, we're looking at potentially two or two of them, maybe a few more, depending on how things shake out. Yeah, I definitely think we're going to see at minimum two. And looking at how some of the things are going – we might even see three, maybe four now. Um, I mean, I got to break it down further yeah. yet. I, you know, but yeah, I'd say right now you're, you're, you're going to be definitely looking at a few more. Cause I mean, just like we've discussed, you know, a, a loss, a team like Stockton who was projected to win and be five and four is now out at four and five. So now they're going to go into the at large pool and, um, you know, there's a couple teams in here that I that we've talked about were going to be in the running or in the mix of things for uh, five and four teams to get in that either a aren't going to be getting in now and or they lost and uh, and it's going to make that projection change to where more four and fives are now going to get in. Yeah, quick quick kind of side note. I love what I love about this time of year and the IHSA football playoff brackets is that every game, biggest schools there are in the state to the smallest schools there are, every game matters to everyone, right? I mean, because like you said, the, the game in Stockton has trickle down effects that affect every other class. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I love about this is that that's not an isolated game that only some 1A schools are concerned about. That result then kind of makes ripple effect all the way through the other seven classes. And I, I that always fascinates me. I love that kind of the way things, you know, are designed and set up in this playoff setup. Mitch, what do you got? I was just going to say, running through some scores here, a team that is four and five. And in our classes that we cover is Tuscola, who won 80 to nothing tonight. <laughs> wow, geez. Over, over, over winless Oblong, but still. Yeah, Oblong, which we've, we've discussed on the podcast before, <laughs> oddly <Yes>. enough. So <laughs> Not, we're moving along. We don't need to discuss more Oblong. But, uh, you know, Quincy was actually, I was watching this one for a little while. It was close. They were only up. 28-26, I believe, when I texted you, and they held Muhammad Seymour um, to a punt, and Aiden Byquist uh, back to return the punt at about midfield, uh, danced around a couple defenders, caught a block, and got to the outside edge, and he was gone. That was what kind of broke it open, and uh, Muhammad Seymour never really got back into this one. 
So great uh, job there by Aiden Byquist. Great effort all the way around from this Quincy Blue Devil team. Mitch, I was talking about it on uh, the Tony Z and Friends podcast when I was, uh, you know, on with him. That posted this morning. If anyone wants to go check that out, I highly encourage you to do so. He does a great job covering. He does Fulton games, but covers the Northwest Upstate Alliance. I brought me in to cover the Western Big Six in the track. And I mentioned on that podcast, Mitch, interesting talking point. Where do you put this Quincy team in terms of, you know, power rankings of conference champions over the past, you know, five to 10 years? Now, there's still a lot to be played out on the field, but this team has looked really good. Like just in the Western Big Six? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't really think of a team. You know, Moline's has some good offenses. Rock Island had like, some good offenses. Sterling, I look back at Moline. Uh, Moline had some really good defensive teams, right? They were putting up points, yeah. but they were really strong defensively for a couple of those years. Yeah. But like, Sterling was well-rounded, yep. Yeah, and the Matthew Bailey years, those teams were really good for Moline. But I, I don't – I can't really remember a team that – is as dynamic and versatile as this Quincy team. They can beat you on the run. They can beat you in the past, and they, they play really good defense. So you know this is this is a really good team. We were we were wondering how they would stack up against Muhammad Seymour just as a preview as they get into the really really gauntlet of seven eight playoffs, um, and they passed. So they they have not looked frail in any any game this season. We know that the Western Big Six. Had a pretty down year, all things considered, but they did what good teams do and just completely, completely dominated the Western Big Six and again finishing the uh, the season undefeated. Yeah, they've looked. Yeah, they've looked great, and I think that it is easy to point out, and I've read it, you know, seen it on Twitter and on the social medias that yes, maybe this Big Six as a whole is down a little bit. But I don't think, don't take that away from Quincy or don't put that as a knock on Quincy. This team is every bit as good as the conference champions we've seen over the last few years. And like you just pointed out, maybe on the top end, maybe the, uh, you know, the top of those teams. And I think regardless of what year, they've proven it. So quickly talk a little bit more about the big six here and then we'll move along. Rock Island, Mitch, you, you pointed it out before we got on the pod here. They're one two-point conversion away in that Newman game to winning and having four wins this year. And I know yeah. it still probably wouldn't have gotten them to the playoffs and they'd still be in the kind of the same situation they are now. But ultimately, like, that's salvaging a season from what looked really ugly in the beginning for this, you know, start to the Coach Fritz era of Rock Island. They've rebounded and played really well here. Yeah, it's almost like when they when they lost to Quincy, which was their third straight loss to start the season. And then they had the heartbreaker against Newman. Like it was almost like the, the tides were turning a little bit because they played Moline tough. Like that, that got them at least, or unfortunately they won five, but then they beat UT. They played Galesburg tough. They had that upset win against Sterling last week. And now they do it again against Geneseo. So yeah, coach Fritz, that's, that's a heck of a way to finish your season and should give Rock Island fans some hope moving forward. Yep. Yep. As you pointed out, United Township wins a wild one there, 63-46. That kind of gets back to the old uh, Western Big 12 that we used to talk about, right? Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> shout out to Coach Welch. I mean, that's four wins on yep. the year. Um, 
three in a row to end the season. That includes a forfeit, but includes a win over Moline. So, yeah, four wins for, for them and a great finish to, to the season for both UT and uh, and Rock Island. Yep. Did we read through kind of the, the notes on the Sterling game? No, we, we didn't. So this was, this was back and forth for a while, but the, the play of the game also happened to be the game winner. Uh, Drew Nettleton tossed – Tossed one up, and it, it, it looked like it was a little bit underthrown from the video that I saw. And his intended receiver, Dill Nottens, just rips the ball out of the defender's hands and runs and finishes for a 62-yard score. And that that put him up 22-17. to 17. So that was your uh, deciding play. And then an Andre Claver uh, pick with, I think it was a minute 15 or something left, really sealed the win here. So um, a classic Sterling and Moline game, really. Yep. Yep. Good to see Andre Claver, senior kind of, you know, leader on that team that had been injured all last year. Great to see him come up with that big interception there at the end to kind of seal the win for them. Even if they don't make the playoffs, that's a great way to end his, you know, high school career there, you know, sealing a victory at home for his team. So, and still the reigning, uh, Sock Valley basketball player of the year. So he's still <laughs> got that to look forward to here. In a I was going to say, he's got a lot still ahead of him here in his high school career. So, all right. Well, we talked, we started this conversation talking about one of our undefeated teams. Let's jump into one of our other undefeated teams, Lena Winslow, the Panthers. Surprise, surprise. They roll through the regular season here unbeaten. So Kyle, what's that put the winning streak up to now? What is that? 28, yeah. 28. And that is the NUIC record, correct? That is correct. All right. Well, Nobody Mitch, do we, has it. do we have uh, – run through the scores real quick, and then, uh, Kyle, let you kind of talk about anything that stood out to you or what you saw. Yeah, so Lena Winslow gets the 36-8 to win over Forreston. Uh, Galena comes back from behind to beat Stockton 27-24. Fulton was all over West Carroll, 66 to nothing. EPC closes out their season with a win, 28 to 8 over Dakota. And the one that we had eyes on here, Altoff Catholic, gets the 41 to 18 win over Dupec. Kyle, what stands out to you? I'll let you uh, have the floor first here. Uh, the one that stands out the most to me, well, there's two of them really. One is. We, we, we've been talking about it all year when, once we realized where Altoff Catholic would be and then we saw where we had barometer games and we were able to see those barometers between Lena Winslow and St. Teresa and Altoff and St. Teresa. And, you know, at the time, you know, while the scores kind of resembled the same, I would still say the favorite went to Lena Winslow. Well, tonight... You know, going into the game, I thought that Dupec would be able to do a couple things with Altoff, and they kept it close there for a while. They returned the opening touch or kickoff for a touchdown, got down 14-6, were able to make it 14-12, but then Altoff started to pull away. And similarly, you know, Lena Winslow was able to get a large commanding lead over Dupec before Dupec ever started to really begin scoring against Lena Winslow. So I would say right now in that game, while I thought Dupec might have a little bit of a better shot, um, I knew that their gameplay would go, it would be a better matchup for 
all tough. And um, in, either way, we got a good barometer of what that will be. And I think that's a good precursor of what we will potentially see in the 1A state championship game. I was just um, going to – oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No. So I was going to say that, yeah, I think that when you look at all these results, I think what stands out to me tonight is that Lena Winslow once again really separated themselves, right? It seems like they are once again, without a doubt, the best team in the in the Northwest Upstate Illini. They're the best team in Class 1A. It, you know, they're, they've been the team to beat all year, but I feel like, now tonight, with them getting the win over Forreston convincingly, and then you see this final score between Altoff and Dupec and kind of seeing where these things fall, I think those are two teams to really watch for, you know, the rest of the way. And especially on our side of the bracket, I think Lena Winslow has really separated themselves in Class 1A. Yeah, absolutely. The other one that really sticks out to me is the Galena-Stockton game, you know, in the third quarter, I saw that Stockton gone up 24 to 12. So they're up two touchdowns. And I pretty much figured, you know, Stockton had it in the bag. Things were going as planned. They were a two touchdown favorite coming into the game. They're up two touchdowns. I was like, cool, this one's over. I start driving home and I see an update that Galena had scored and cut that lead. All right, no big deal, right? Then I hear that they're down. I'm like, okay. Then I start tuning into that game a little bit closer. I'm like, what just happened? And then that's when Stockton had the ball again with an opportunity to put a potential drive together. And then they throw an interception to give the ball right back to Galena. And then all they had to do was basically run a couple plays, get a first down, and then run out the clock and – the upset happened, and now Stockton's on a limb, hoping that they might be able to be one of the four and fives to get in. Not sure if they're going to have enough playoff points right now. Looking at everything, they're about the seventh team out if they were to go to four and five. So, you know, they got to hope that six other teams get in, and then there's still a seventh spot open for them to sneak in there. So, Bad loss, in my opinion, for Stockton coming from a two-touchdown favorite to losing by three points. Yeah, that one kind of stood out to me for sure. Mitch, anything on your end, what you saw in the Northwest Upstate Illini tonight? No, I, I think, like we talked about, or like Kyle talked about earlier, you know, we wanted to see what the measuring stick was and how Altoff was. And, again, it, it almost seems like now that that's maybe the likely state championship game in one a yeah. if, if, if they're in the South and, and Lena gets through the North, those two will meet up. So I don't know who in the South would, would be able to beat them. I, I don't know how strong CPC is or, or anybody down there, but um, I, I just want to shout out Fulton here because they started 0 and two and finished five and one. So, you know, that they were going to the playoffs either way, but they get the automatic bid here and there'll be a strong team in that 1A North bracket, no question about it. Yeah, I I would agree with that for sure. I mean, after their win last week, I think that was a statement type of win. That's a marquee win for them to hang their hat on. And I I mean, Kyle, you you know, you're you're familiar with it. 
I mean, this Fulton team, are they are they playing their best football right now heading into the playoffs? I think they seem like a team that, yes, their front end of their schedule was loaded, but I think that they've gotten better incrementally every week. Oh, I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, they, they're a very young team. We've talked about that a lot. I, I'm pretty sure that they only start three seniors um, and the rest of their starters are juniors and sophomores. So um, from what we've seen early on, I mean, the only game I can really think that they would love to have back would be that game against Forreston back in week one. I mean, when you take a look at that, that's really the only game I see on their schedule where it's like, yeah, they should have won that one. You know, maybe with playing Dupac, don't turn the ball over five times. And, you know, that game could have lived up to the hype and billing we thought that it could have been rather than the lopsided score it ended up being. But they're, they're, they've definitely gotten better week to week to week. And, you know, talking to Coach Pat Lohr, you know, he was excited that this team was a six and three team. Um, and, you know, with that, he was already messaging me earlier tonight. Where's this team doing? What's that team doing? Kind of trying to see where he's going to land in the pairings because he knows that if they get the right seed, they can make some noise again and definitely at least make another run at a third consecutive quarterfinal appearance. Uh, not the exact same scenario, but uh, see Forrest in a year ago, five and four. Right end up in the state semifinals. So, yep, absolutely. Before we wrap up the NUIC, where where does the loss tonight, where does that take Dupec here? This, this is a t- I mean, it's a great team that they went up against in Altoff. We've talked a lot about them throughout the season. But to go on the road in week nine, I guess not on the road, but in a neutral site in the middle of the state, this is a tough, I mean, it's a tough loss, right? I mean, heading into the state playoffs? Yes and no. I, I think that, I mean, while they, on paper, they were the supposed favorite according to ratings, I had them projected to lose this game. Based off of what I've seen, trying to compare Altoff to Lena Winslow, and I knew that if Altoff was close enough with Lena Winslow, that Dupec would not fare well in the game, which played out that way tonight. Um, and, and with that, I don't think this ultimately affects Dupec playoff wise. I mean, let's be honest. They're, they're, they're a strong team. They have a lot of skills, but we've said it all year. They need to improve their line play. And that's what really stuck out the most tonight. Wasn't the fact that they couldn't compete with all tough, but up front, they just got beat off the line on both sides of the ball. And that's what really wore them down. I mean, I'm, you know, I know it's high school football and whatnot, but I, I feel that if Dupec just had a better overall line on both sides of the ball, we'd be talking about a team that could actually compete for a state championship. And that's really the missing piece that they have. They have a stud quarterback. They have the skills positions. They have a good running back in Connor Hughes. You have a lot of the key pieces that good quality teams need to have but you don't have that consistent line play. And that's ultimately what hurts high school football. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, the, the perfect example that comes to my mind as soon as you give that description is Princeton, right? Over the years, Princeton has complemented some great skill positions with a pretty good line year in and year out. And, you know, and they've produced in that 3A bracket. 
and Dupac's been right there, you know, right, right in line with them. Um, but yeah, I think that is a little bit of a separator. It'll be really interesting to see the matchups, the potential first round matchup, who they get matched up with, what their line play looks like to see kind of if they can, you know, to see where they stack up, I guess, in in the, in that playoff matchup with another team and their line. I think that's a big, that'll, yeah, that'll I be think, interesting. I think- and I think skill-wise, I think Dupac can compete with the correct draw. I mean, there's there was a couple different scenarios where if they had the right draw, they can definitely make a quarterfinal run based off of the opponents that they would play. Now, when they get matched up with a Byron in the second round, it's going to be ugly. We already know that. Byron is the legit team to beat in Class 1A. And then let's not be remiss about Montini Catholic popping in there at 5-4 and four either. Yeah, that's the thing is I see Catholic swaps out of 3A and in steps Lombard Montini. So, at, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Mitch. Looking at just looking at 3A, I mean, I think that's maybe where you might see a four and five team get in. Maybe one. Just kind of looking at the playoff outlook, there was only six four and four teams coming in, and you had Monmouth Roseville one, you had Oregon. They won, but you had Genoa Kingston lose. You had Beardstown lose. So those teams are going to be four and five. I don't know about some of the Chicago teams or what Fairfield did, but I don't know. That one was going to be tight to see if a four and five team could get in there in the last spot. Yeah, that's interesting to note. Yep. All right. Anything else in the northwest of St. Illini? All right. Moving along, Mitch, let's uh, let's go to the Three Rivers. Give us all the scores. Sure. Give us some of the info you got, and uh, sure. we'll go from there. Yeah, no no surprises here. Um, the only one that we kind of had eyes on that might have had some playoff implications was Monmouth Roseville. They do get the win. They get to 5-4. and four. They beat Sherrard 34-18. Uh, Princeton gets their sixth consecutive Three Rivers, Mississippi crown with a 54 to nothing win over Hall. Rock Ridge on the other side, they get their second consecutive Three Rivers Rock crown, um, 41 to six over Erie Prophetstown. You know, we were talking about Rock Island earlier being a play away from four wins. I mean, Rock Ridge is a play away from being undefeated, going back all the way back up to week one against Newman. So um, a great season for them and, and coming off of that week one loss and, and really getting the the train back on, on the tracks here. So Rock Ridge, again, your track rock champions. Kiwani blanked Aurora Central Catholic 50 to nothing. Um, Brady Clark, for all his accolades, this might be the most fun one. He breaks a 107-year-old Kiwani high school record that was set by someone named Nell, sorry, Nell's Folgsang. I don't know, <laughs> sorry to the Folgsang family. 212 points was the record that stood for 107 years, but Brady Clark is now the Kiwani High School scoring leader. So congrats to him and the Boilermakers on a great year. Morrison finishes 8-1. and one. They go 38-13 to 13 over BV. BV finishes at 4-5. and five. Again, we'll see what happens with in 1A, but I, I do not believe 4-5 and five gets in into 1A. Newman puts up 50 over Mendota, 50 to nothing. Evan Bushman had three touchdown passes. He had another one on the ground. Uh, Anna Jungerman, who we talked about, she kicked a 22-yard field goal to get on the board late. Talked about Monmouth Roseville, and then Orion finishes out their season with a 55-12 to win over Riverdale. 
Uh, quickly, getting back to uh, Nell's folk saying from the sure. uh, you know from the old classic Kiwani Boilermaker teams. I don't know if we have any highlights of him, but <laughs> but but what I will say is the record was broken. Brady Clark has scored on receiving, rushing, point after attempts, two point conversions, field goals, and interception returns. So. Yeah. That's so cool. You know, like Mitch, I love when we get a, when we get a kid who has, you know, thrown a touchdown pass, caught one and ran one sometimes in the same game as the trifecta. I love when that happens, but hearing all of this that Brady Clark has done over his time is amazing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been, he's been fun to watch. So add him to the list of athletes that we've had the pleasure of covering over the past couple of years. Um, you know, Kiwani's playing really well. I don't, obviously Aurora Central Catholic is not, not the bar going into the 4A playoff, but I've watched them the past couple of weeks. They're just clicking on offense and really looking forward to seeing how they stack up in 4A. Uh, and you also pointed out in Newman's big win, 50 to nothing over Mendota, Anna Youngerman had the field goal, uh, Dan Pearson from, uh, the local FCA over in the, you know, on the Peoria kind of Illinois side. He did a story on her last week. Really cool. I think we retweeted it. I'm trying to remember now, but uh, or reposted it. I should get the official terminology. No, just retweet. <laughs> anyway, never, never, never repost, never X. We shared. We shared the information. I believe. If we didn't, we will this week. Really cool story. Kyle, did you hear about this? Uh, the new kicker for for Sterling Newman. No. So Anna Youngerman started the season as a Sterling Newman cheerleader. And a couple weeks into the season, they didn't have a kicker. And they approached her, talked about, she has a soccer background, has been a soccer player growing up. And uh, Coach Mike LeMay, and I guess there'd been a lot of buzz about like, could she do it? Would she do it? Whatever. So they brought her in, tried her out. And um, literally she went from, kicking field goals in the powder puff football game at homecoming to the next week. She was kicking in the game for Newman hit four extra points to uh, help them. I believe that was the win over spring Valley hall. So just an awesome story. This, the, the, uh, the package, the Dan Pearson feature story that I was talking about. I mean, she just kind of talks about like, you know, it'd been something I'd thought about, but never really thought was serious. And then they, you know, they asked me to do it. And my, you know, my cheerleading team was supportive. The football team couldn't wait to have me join them. And so it's such a cool story. Like, I think she was the homecoming queen as well. So homecoming queen, cheerleader turned kicker for Sterling Newman. They're headed to the 1A playoffs. Really cool story all the way around. So, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> how, how can you beat that story? That, I know it's, it's incredible. Yeah. So that's, that's excellent for football. Excellent for girls. Excellent for soccer players transitioning into football. I mean, it's great all the way around. Yep. Yep. So looking through the results here, um, kind of a lot of what we expected. The Morrison Bureau Valley game was close early. Morrison pulls away in that one. So Bureau Valley ends the season with four wins, but overall, I think this is a great effort from a coach pistol team that was one and eight a year ago. They're slowly building. I think come next year when they're in the LLC, they'll be in that bigger division. They'll take um, Mercer County's spot there. I'm curious to watch this team and how they fit in because they got a lot of talent returning. Elijah Andrus, a kid we talked a lot about. He'll be back. 
several other players as well. So that that's a team to watch for sure. But Morrison gets the win here. They look really good head, heading into the 1A playoffs. Monmouth Roseville gets the win. So they're one of those four and four teams that took care of business. So they should most likely be in now at five and four. So credit to the Titans because this was a, you know, a scary Sherrard team that I think, you know, it's a team that I could have seen playing spoiler, but uh, Monmouth Roseville gets the job done tonight. Yeah, I, I think they'll get in because, again, they're in that 3A class, which just gets a little little crowded with with five and three teams. But now that they're five and four, I think they'll be safely in because they have they have 40. Well, who'd they they be Sherrard who they were, what, three and six? Yep. Yeah. So they'll end. So Monmouth Roseville ends up with 43 playoff wins. So that's a pretty strong candidate to get in. That's one of the most in 3A looking at it. Well, sorry, that's not counting what happened this week. But okay. Um, They'll, they'll be up there for sure because going into this week, 40, which they had, was tied for the top in 3A. So, yeah, they're in. Okay. Um, anything else? Otherwise, we jump into the LLC? I don't think so. Nope. That, uh, that should do it. All right. Well, give us the uh, give us the rundown on the LLC. And uh, one of our – the only other undefeated team we haven't talked about yet, Stark County. Start there, I guess. Yeah, so start on the small sides. Stark County finishes off the undefeated regular season, holding off a strong effort from United. This was this was close, but Stark County pulls away twenty eight to twenty. This is their uh, sorry. They finish the season now nine and zero. They win the LLC small, and they will also be in that one A North bracket. Also in the small side, Rova Williamsfield finishes their season at seven and two with a forty three to twenty three win over A Town. Anon Weathersfield really surprising here I, I thought Princeville would put up more of a fight but 49 to 6 Anon Wethersfield got the win there so a great win for for Anon Wethersfield Rushville Industry won 40 to 34 over South Fulton go back to the large school the title was decided between two unbeaten in conference play teams Farmington gets the win 27 to 19 over Knoxville uh, Farmington was up 15 nothing early and they kind of held on late. So the LLC large school crown goes to the Farmers. Macomb, they get the win to close out their season, 44-8 to eight over Havana. Heartbreaker for Illini West. They're trying to get their fifth win and, and become playoff eligible. Central A&M, they come back and they score in the final seconds to win that game 29-26. to 26. Murko wins 44-32 to 32 over West Hancock. And Elmwood Brimfield wins 69-16 to 16 over LVC. I think I think Knoxville scored first in that one. I think it was oh, did back. I, did in, I have that wrong? Okay. I think it was back and forth early. That was one of the games I was watching, trying to keep up with you know, you know, doing the Mitch Stormer job. That was when I was trying to you know keep up with everything and not doing well, mind you, right. but uh, trying my best. But no, uh, no, nobody beats Mitch. Yeah, you tried. You, you tried. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Mitch, how about? You know, you're trying to send out, you know, trying to send out tweets, trying to send out the X, and, you know, you're getting blocked, getting deleted tweets, and come on, Mitch, what are you doing? No, they, 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 they ended up showing up. I don't know what happened, but they ended up appearing out of nowhere. But, yeah, and you are you are right. That game was 7-6 uh, to six early. I don't know where I saw 15 nothing, but yeah. that's on me. But Yeah, I was accused of deleting Mitch's tweets here. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not censoring anyone, so. I'm, I don't know what you do when you're in there, so, yeah. <laughs> They came back. They they arrived. All right. Elon, so, yeah. Elon figured out they were good tweets and decided to put them back up. <laughs> okay. 
So Farmington, you know, they win the large school side of things here. They'll end up in the two A. They're right. There'll be a two A playoff team, and uh, you know, a nice win here for uh, over Knoxville. Man, tough way to end the season for Knoxville. You know, rolling along, and then man, two weeks in a row they you know take two losses heading into the postseason. We'll see where they end up in the bracket play, but um, you know, they're a strong team. We you know we talked about them all year long. Two tough losses against two really quality opponents. One potentially in Farmington that they could see again because they'll both be up in that 2A North bracket. So it'd be interesting to see all that, how all that shakes out. Mercer County, a 2A team on that north side of the bracket. They beat West Hancock. They'll be in there as well. They're a playoff team. And then on the opposite side of things, oh, go ahead. One one result in 2A, um, Arthur Lovington beat Sullivan Oakwood Valley though they were both eight no teams heading in and Arthur Lovington won 42 to 13 so a bit of a shakeup there at the top of 2A okay um you know looking down on the small school side of things um Star County ends their year undefeated 9 and 0 not ends their season ends their regular season I should say at 9 and 0 great season for the Rebels Mitch we've you know we've joked all year long that you know, early on, we were high on Anawan Weathersfield and Rova Williamsfield, and we thought Stark County would be a playoff team, but I don't think, you know, we we certainly didn't say they'd go 9-0. and So credit to yep. the Rebels. They showed up and got the job done week in and week out here. See where they sit in that playoff field, in that 1A playoff field. I mean, that 1A playoff field ends up becoming, you know, the, the view from the West Invitational because it's all of our oh, teams. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all teams that we cover that Kyle covers. That's it's going to be familiar territory for sure. Yep, yep, absolutely. And uh, you know, don't sleep on Rova Williamsfield and and A and W because they they both have played really well outside of those couple losses. Anawan Weathersfield is the team that you know they fell one point short against Stark County at home in week two, and now they've really rolled along. So. Yep. I think, you know, they seem to be firing on all cylinders here, certainly with the convincing win tonight over Princeville. You know, that's a team to keep an eye on for sure. Um, anything else from, uh, you know, from the LLC? Otherwise, Kyle, we'll let you uh, take over and talk about eight man. And that was where you were. Uh, <laughs> he's stretching. He's getting loose. He's ready to yeah. talk about it. Start start with uh, where you were at, and uh, we'll go through the eight-man scores here. Uh, Mitch, do you want to go through the eight-man scores? Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll course take first. Over. Yeah, I'll just course first. This, this is just what I have and what I found on uh, IHSAfootball.com. Amboy wins 52-6 to over Polo in the big game of the night. Ridgewood beat up on Galva 50-14. to Milledgeville did the same to Bushnell Prairie City, 72-12. to uh, Cornell Woodland gets the win over Blue Ridge, 49-6. to a uh, bit of an upset here. Peoria Heights beats Hiawatha 40 to 24 and South Beloit beats Christian life 25 to 24. Wow. That really changes things. just a tad there. See, this is, this is what it's all about. Kyle putting you to work. Hiawatha lost to Peoria Heights. Yes. Wow. Well, it looks like we're going to have two, four and five teams in the playoffs then. <laughs> And that helps Orangeville seeding just a little bit, just a little and bit. They, and Orangeville gets the forfeit because they were playing Quest. Is that right? Yep. And so their record is what? 
Five and four. They are five and four. Of course, you got the big one tomorrow in Martinsville and St. Thomas More too. Um, looking yep. elsewhere, I don't think. Yeah, St. Anne, they won, but they're not getting in anyway. Nope. Um, I don't know what happened in the West Prairie West Central game. I'm not quite one thirty-six to twenty-two. Okay. Um. Yeah, you got River Ridge tomorrow playing Alden Hebron. They could get in if they win. Orangeville got uh, the I, win. So. River Ridge yeah. will be in regardless because they have more playoff okay. points than Orangeville, Hiawatha, and Bushnell. Well, they have more points than Hiawatha and Bushnell. Okay. I think if Alden Houston does win, they will get in as well because they would automatically go over top of Ridge River Ridge. Okay. And then you got South Fork, they'll get the win tomorrow, I'm sure, over Unity Christian. They're at South Fork the six and two. Uh, and Pawnee sitting at four and four. They play Metro East Lutheran tomorrow. So which Pawnee should get that win too. So, Kyle, what were you surprised by the Amboy Polo result tonight? Yes and no. Um, I had caught wind that Polo was going to be without Carter Merdian um, due to some ineligibility issues. Um, and, and so not having him in the game was going to allow Polo to utilize Brock Soto uh, pretty much as a wildcat quarterback and um, taking a look at Amboy. Granted, I know that we watched him quite a bit last year, but tonight was the first night all season I've had an opportunity to watch Amboy. And I think part of that's because some of the games I had chances to go see them, they weren't going to be good games to begin with. And knowing what Amboy had and what they could do, it wasn't worth my time, but I tell you what, seeing Amboy tonight, man, they got bigger since last year. <laughs> I mean, and, and they look every part of the number one ranked team that we had. Now I know that STM has been talked about on your podcast, my podcast across social media and whatnot all season long. And of course we've heard some of their fans whining about where they they're ranked and whatnot, <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, taking a look at how Amboy was tonight with Polo, I would definitely say that um, Polo's just not to the level that we thought they were at. They they do have one of the best players in the entire eight-man game in Brock Solto, but they're, they're just undersized compared to some of these teams. You know, that's how Milledgeville is able to control them. Tonight, Amboy was able to control them. And if you really go back and look at that Milledgeville polo game to what tonight's Amboy polo game was, Amboy took over pretty much in the same facet that Milledgeville had done uh, against polo, where, you know, they, they got out there, they scored. Uh, right away, they were able to get a fumble that Brennan Blaine was able to return for a touchdown. I mean, before you knew it, what, what looked to be the start of a close game throughout the first half, eight minutes of the first quarter, all of a sudden, 
within one minute, Amboy put up two touchdowns. <laughs> and it was 14 to nothing like that. Polo was able to get their one touchdown on the board on their next drive to make it 14 and six. But after that, it was just Amboy, Amboy, Amboy. And, and all of, I mean, you could just watch the line of scrimmage and see the, the, the size difference, the physicality difference, just take over in that game. So, you know, the way I would look at it right now, I definitely feel that Amboy deserves the number one seed. They're definitely the team to beat. In my opinion, I think that Millsville is two. And STM would be number three as far as rankings would go and how I see it. I, I know STM has some skills with Peace Boomba. Um, the kid's dynamite. You know, he's getting some looks from some D1 schools. And it helps that he's sitting right there in Champaign as well. So, you, you know, having Illinois looking at you when you're right next door is never a bad thing. Um, and, and, I mean, he's got the physical qualities. He's like 6'2 and 210, 215 pounds as well. So, um, you know, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the look. But one of the things I've noticed, too, STM is a pretty big team. That I, I think size-wise they match up with Amboy. Uh, but with that, I don't think that they are a very physical team. If they were more physical. Well, I would have expected more separation in that game against South Beloit a couple weeks ago than what there was. And of course, you know, there were some people uh, talking about, you know, South Beloit potentially going eight and one. And here I am, I'm the dummy going through all the projections. I'm like, no, oh, South Beloit six and three, nah, South Beloit six and three. And here we are, South Beloit six and three. So I don't know. Um, I there just wasn't something there that was clicking for me that other people thought well South Beloit's this that and, uh, and whatever else they thought they were but I'm like they're not going eight and one I don't know what to tell you guys but here we are they're six and three and St. Thomas Moore's right there uh, with a shot at nine and oh um, I think that they enter that game definitely as the favorites but be interesting to see how Martinsville uh, plays that game uh, their quarterback is uh uh, his last name's Herrera. I can't remember his first name, but he's been having a heck of a season. He's been doing some uh, things for Martinsville, albeit they got routed by Amboy. So this will give us a good barometer of where St. Thomas More is, depending on how Martinsville plays with them. So definitely a great game to keep an eye on tomorrow. And thank God they moved it up from a seven o'clock start to a one o'clock kick. So we can get this in ahead of the uh, playoff pairings. They were going to kick off at seven o'clock on a Saturday night in week nine. Yes. Yeah. That's what Martinsville did last year too. Remember we were going through the playoff oh, that's show and they were still playing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Good. Yep. Good call. Good recall on that. So, okay. Well, let's play some hypotheticals here in the eight man world. If St. Thomas Moore wins and they're undefeated, are they the one seed and Amboys two or vice versa? Okay, yes. St. Thomas Moore will be the one seed with a win. Amboy at the two seed. Okay. And now if if Martinsville wins. If Martinsville wins, Amboy will jump to the one seed. Yep. Martinsville will go from the four seed to the two seed, which will drop St. Thomas Moore into the three seed and knock Millageville down to the four seed. Okay, interesting. 
Well, you got to remember, it doesn't go off playoff points in eight-man. It goes off wins head-to-head first. So Martinsville, if they were to beat St. Thomas Moore, will automatically jump to that two seed by beating St. Thomas Moore. Okay. Yep. All right. So just overall, you know, I guess – do we want to do we want to start with eight man and then work our way up one a two a three a through the brackets here? Do we want to do some bracket talk? I know we don't have any updated projections quite yet, but just in general, looking at the field or just kind of talking about what we see. Yeah, we can definitely make some noise. Why what, not? what are your thoughts, Kyle? I know you were you were high on Ridgewood. You liked what you saw in them early in the year. We'll get into the eight man talk here in the bracket. Where, where will they fit in? And, you know, they, they played well against Polo. They played well against Amboy. Do they, I mean, is there a potential, you know, on any given, you know, Saturday that they could come up with one of those surprise wins in the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. Because here's the thing with Ridgewood. At 7-2 and two, and those two losses being to number one and number two, Right? No, yeah. number one and number three, but yeah. Polo's gonna drop. I know Polo will drop. If we don't drop if we all drop Polo, then we're dummies. <laughs> but uh but uh you know the loss to Polo was one of those games that Ridgewood's probably looking at saying, Man, wish we could have that game back, right? I mean they yeah. had chances to put that game away. And and, and quite frankly, they should have put them away. Um and I think that's where you know, taking a look at those comparisons, I, I felt like we might be able to have somewhat of a game with Amboy tonight. But on the outside of it, you know, I had I just had a feeling it would be a runaway, which it turned out to be as the game went on. But uh, I feel that Amboy did not play a very good game with Ridgewood. They were never in jeopardy of losing that game, but it wasn't a clean game for them. And, uh, you know, being that Ridgewood 7-2, and two, unfortunately their playoff points just aren't there. And they're going to be the nine seed from what I can see. I got to go back through and break this all out again, especially after hearing that Hiawatha loss. Thanks, Mitch. But... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, being the ninth seed, that means that if St. Thomas Moore does win tomorrow, you're going to have to play a tough eight seed in South Fork, who also has to play tomorrow. And South Fork should win that game that they have. And in my projections, and granted, like I said, I got to go back through and relook at it. But in my projections, I have them at the eight seed. So they would have to go on the road to South Fork and play them. And then that if they win that, which I feel that they should, because I do think that they're a stronger team than South Fork, then you gotta um then you get a host St. Thomas More at home, because St. Thomas More will be the one seed and they get a play at home against Bushnell Prairie City. St. Thomas Moore should win that one handily, and then they get go on the road to the bowl in Cambridge and play Ridgewood on their home turf. 
Yeah. I think that's yeah. when you could see a potential upset. Wow. That's okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I think that would be a great quarterfinal matchup. I really do. That'd be awesome. Yeah, for sure. All right. And, well, and, and with that, that would shake up a lot because in all honesty, the only thing that I see standing in the way of projections hold firm, the only thing I see standing in the way of St. Thomas More making it to Monmouth is having Ridgewood there because if everything holds true as it is, the next three teams you're going to have are Milledgeville, Amboy, and Polo are all going to be in the same bracket. And the only other thing you're relying on is either Milford, Cisna Park, and Martinsville to meet up and have a chance at knocking off St. Thomas Moore or Ridgewood as well. So that's fascinating, is that at some point, if Ridgewood's on that bracket, you know, on their own up top with St. Thomas Moore, but you have Polo, Milledgeville, Amboy all down in another half of the bracket because of the way the seating shake out, yeah, you're right. And some of the teams that we think are the best in the state, you know, the way it splits out, maybe that helps Ridgewood, but they'd have to get the win. They'd have to take care of it. You know, they have to get the job done, but it is interesting to see how that could potentially shake out. That's uh, I love, I love the eight man bracket. We've talked about it the last couple of years. I just, it's a ton of fun. So it's awesome. I mean, and it's so funny because I get so many people that ask me, they're like, well, when you have like five, seven, and two teams, you don't, you just go off playoff points, right? Because everybody's a time. Like, no, you still have to figure out who beat who first. Yeah. So there's still that emphasis on wins matter, especially in head to head, because that's ultimately going to propel you to a higher seed. For instance, Martinsville is projected to finish with left less playoff points than Milford, but because they beat Milford, they're going to be seated above Milford. So yeah. that's what people forget to realize. And then after that, then it falls back into suit of playoff points. So, I mean, so MCP beat Flanagan Cornell Woodland. So they're going to be above them, but Polo falls in between there because Polo's going to have uh, the playoff points potentially to be either above FCW. There could be a tie there. I mean, I had it projected as a tie, and I put Polo in front because of I went – the tiebreaker is supposed to be a coin flip according to the I8FA bylaws if you don't have head-to-head and playoff points don't break it. But with that, the um, – I threw you I off there. I... <laughs> yeah, you did. With that, the uh, – with that, the uh, – uh, I, I went through it uh, by points allowed. So Polo had the fewest points allowed. And talking to a coach earlier tonight from South Fork, I said, that's what should be the fourth tiebreaker. Why go to a coin flip? Why not just go to points allowed? Because then that puts more emphasis on your defense needing to play better as well. So if you want to put an emphasis on wins, put an emphasis on your defense playing good too. I think any way that you can avoid having a coin flip decide something. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
draw some numbers that can decide it on the field. Yeah, for sure. All right, I man, tomorrow night, Kyle, we'll be breaking down that 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 eight man bracket, top to bottom, and uh, Joe Meridian will be there. He's kind of the eight man expert, right? He'll he'll be there to 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 fill us in with everything we need to know, and everyone anyone need anyone who's listening needs to know. Yeah, he's about the closest thing we're gonna have to a, a guru on eight man. Um, being that he has uh, covered all of the polo games this year. So he's been able to see a lot of teams play. And then on top of that, you know, doing the eight man podcast as well, um, which I'm glad that those guys have started up, but it's definitely very insightful for sure. Yeah. Is it like spotlight on eight man or something? I don't know what it's, what it's called, but I've seen it on Facebook. It's good. It's great information. Yeah. Spotlight on Illinois eight man football. Yeah. So any, anyone listening to this, go check them out. They have great information on the eight man football from around the state. And a lot of guys who are, are, like I said, around the state, taking in a lot of eight man football. So they have a lot of information there. All right. Do we move into class one a and keep going up the ranks here and just kind of talking about, you know, teams and the potential brackets. I know we don't know, you know, how things will shake out exactly. This is still the preview to the playoff preview. So, you know, we're getting there, but uh, class 1A, Lena Winslow is going to be the one seed on the north side of the bracket, correct? Yeah, yes. They they are going to be the one seed for sure, uh, being that they're 9-0. and Looking at things as they lay out, we're only looking at five teams to be 9-0, and and two of them are going to be in the north with Stark County and Lena Winslow, which Lena Winslow has the edge on the playoff points for that number one seed. Yeah. Mitch, did you see the potential first round matchup in class one a, which one Uh, I'm talking about your Morrison Mustangs potentially hosting the Fulton steamers. Ooh, what a great one. That would be man. Can you imagine that? Like, now, that wouldn't count for the wooden shoe, right? Not technically, because that's a playoff game. Mm. I don't know that there's I don't know that there's stipulations for it. I don't think that there is. <laughs> honestly. I thought, yeah, I guess that, yeah. I guess that's I don't know. Um uh yeah, that'd be that'd be uh, that'd be quite the buzz there. Um if that were to come to fruition. So that would be quite a few. I've seen quite a few people in that stadium before, but that that would definitely bring it out. Yeah, that would that would be amazing. That would be an amazing atmosphere. Another interesting matchup here, Kyle, I don't know what your projections say, but the Sioux says of this morning, I should clarify to people listening as of Friday morning said that Forreston Sterling Newman as an eight, nine matchup. That's an interesting matchup. Sorry. I had to find my mute button. They, yes. <laughs> Yes, um, there there is the potential at that. I know initially I had four cents, seven Newman at eight, but there's still, you know, how things are getting moved around. There's definitely that opportunity for uh, that eight, nine matchup to happen uh, and see Forrest and Newman together. I'd be very intrigued in that matchup for sure. Yeah. Well, on the Southern half, Camp Point Central, probably going to be the number one seed down there again. And then I'm, I think 
Yep. Yes. Yep. And then potentially Altov, who we've talked a lot about. They got the win tonight over Dupek. Potentially the four seed. So you'd see a matchup, you know, if depending on how things shake out, you'd see a quarterfinal matchup between Altov and Camp Point Central. Yeah, I think Altoff's definitely locked into that four seed, considering that the top three were all nine and zero, and nobody was catching Altoff on playoff points. Yep. Yep. Well, anything else in Class One A? Any any teams that you know you're looking at, Mitch or Kyle? Uh, I I you know there's One A South is going to run through Altoff Catholic. I think. <laughs> I think Cesar Valier at 9-0, and while it's a great season for them and they did upset Johnston City, I don't think they're a true player or contender for anything further. I think your top two teams outside of Altoff are actually going to be CPC and Greenfield Northwestern. Okay. Uh, and, and, and they come out of the same conference but separate divisions, so they haven't been able to play each other yet. Um, some common opponents would be uh, Harden Calhoun, which enters with a six and three record, and Calhoun played both those teams very close and tight. So I think one of your sleeper picks in the South bracket might be a six and three Calhoun team making a potential run. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I we know go? That... Nope. Sorry. No. Go ahead. I know that people are still pretty high on Casey Westfield at eight and one. That only loss coming to Mount Carmel. I'm having a hard time putting a barometer on that though, because they play in the little Illini conference and outside of Mount Carmel and Casey Westfield being the two top teams that typically come out of that conference. The rest of that conference is relatively uh, garbage. So <laughs> relatively garbage. <laughs> I just, they're, they're just there's not a lot of competition level down there and, and so it's hard to gauge how these two teams really are but when those two played each other I think the final score is like 27 24 so yeah. um you know maybe Casey Westfield could make some noise as an eight and one we'll see yeah the one other thing that we should mention here is that you know in a lot of these projections over the last couple of weeks Stockton has been in that 1a north field. So you're likely not going to see them in that 1A North field because they fell short and they're five, four and five. So, you know, what does that do to the field there? That shakes things up a little bit. That's going to move some seeds around a little bit on that North side. Oh, for sure. You're, you're definitely going to see some things. I think uh, my initial thought was that we'd have the line at 299 with Stockton falling out. Um, I'd have to take a look and see who else is in. I know I had DMAC in, so um, that's where that 299 came in at. And if that's the case, then we might be looking at like Arthur Lovington coming in. So somebody from the south will be bumping back up to the north, which would probably be GCMS. Yeah, I think Seuss had uh, GCMS up on the northern half, actually playing Marquette, I think, at one point. And then some things shuffled around, and I, I saw some different things. But, um, yeah, that's interesting to follow. Uh, looking at 2A, Marola Forsyth should be the one seed on that northern half. But then you're looking at Rock Ridge will be in the mix, Knoxville from our area, Farmington. Um, 
the team that we talked about on the podcast last week, Bloomington Central Catholic, seems like a team to watch in that northern half of the 2A bracket. Mitch, what do you got? I was just going to say, they only won by a score tonight against a 5-3 and three team. So I, I think we've talked about that we don't, we don't know how good Bloomington Catholic is. Um, but just I just happened to see that score. They won 22-15. to 15, So, again, I, I, they're undefeated, but we'll see what the quality of opponents that they've played looks like. Yeah. I mean, I felt like they were pretty battle-tested a year ago. I haven't looked at exactly what they played this year to, you know, give the, you know, total number, or, you know, to kind of give the full picture. But um, I was seeing, you know, as of these projections, potential 8-9 Rock Ridge versus Knoxville. That's an interesting local first-round matchup for us. Um, Farmington would be a five seed against potentially El, or El Paso Gridley as a 12. Um, looking at the southern half, Shelbyville may be the number one seed, but Athens is there as a five. They're a team to kind of keep your eye on at all times. So you said that Arthur Lovington, they got a win tonight, Mitch? Yes. Okay, they were projected as a two seed, so I don't know if that affects them, if they're projected to get the win tonight or not. Um, I always, I, I I think it was a year ago or two years ago, looking at that Southern bracket, I had Breeze Modern Day. I ranked them up high year, week in and week out, and they kind of burned me and never really turned in anything. It's a team I'm kind of keeping my eye on again this year down in that 2A bracket. But, um, you know, ultimately, I think that, I don't know, I, I I think the North is going to take a title here somewhere. And I think Morel Forsyth is the is the favorite going in. I know it's easy to say that because they're the one seed. But right, Kyle, from what you're seeing in Class 2A, Morel Forsyth has to be a favorite. They're, they're definitely my favorite. I mean, they return a lot of talent from last year. Uh, you know, Caden Maurer runs that offense. Uh, they got Andy Munjoy back. I just... Yeah, I feel that Moreau Forsyth's definitely the team to beat. And based off of what we've seen all year, there's nothing that says to tell me otherwise outside of, you know, they had the close come from behind win over Williamsville. Um, but tonight's game with Athens just, I mean, they they, they gave Athens a pounding. So I, I don't see a whole, whole lot of teams in here that are truly at the potential to knock them off. I would have to agree that possibly Seneca and Bloomington Central Catholic are going to be their primary uh, teams to watch for. Seneca put up like 70-some points tonight on St. Bede. So. <laughs> and see, I'm not, and, I'm, and I'm not sold on Seneca. I know that they have a great quarterback. I, runs a power yeah. No, I agree with you. I'm I'm not sold on them either. And two of their wins, I mean, not through any fault of their own, two of their victories are forfeit wins. So there's almost kind of a small sample size when you're looking around, you know, at their undefeated record. So, no, I think they still got to prove something to me for sure. Um, do you want to jump into 3A here? And you look at the 3A North, Byron's the one seed. Kyle, do you get the sense is the big Northern as good as they have been in years past? I I think that 
Byron is as good as they are have been in years past. I, I definitely I know that they're much improved over what they were last year, and they returned a lot of people from last year. But at the same token, I think other teams within the Big Northern are not at the same level that we've seen. Uh, you know, Stillman Valley's been tough in recent years. They kind of dropped down. Dixon was supposed to give Byron a game that didn't even come close to that. Byron tore them apart. Um, Genoa Kingston's been a relatively decent team in years past, and now they're not even in the playoffs. We watched what Rockford Lutheran uh, happened when they made the 1A playoffs last year, and I, I see a similar demise for them this year. So, yeah, I don't think the Big Northern is as strong as what we've seen, but, you know, there's a lot of conferences that I feel are in that same category. So, you know, that's what makes these playoffs so interesting is, yeah, we look at just a year ago, but there's a lot of things that have changed since last year. And, and, and some teams have grown, but they're just not growing to the same level to replace some of the better teams that we lost all at the same time. And that's why I think, you know, right now when you break down 1A, 2A, and 3A, I would tell you 3A is the strongest field. 1A would, as an overall, would be the second strongest field, at least through the top 10. And then 2A would be the would be the weakest of the three. Um, and that's just coming from games that we've seen happen with like Fulton beating Knoxville. Uh, we've seen uh, Moreau Forsyth beat Williamsville. We watched Athens barely lose to Williamsville. Uh, and a couple of Lena Winslow beat Dupac. You know, we, we've seen some of these games already take place. Uh, and granted, it's based off a rating system, and, and it's hard to tell things off through ratings themselves because all it is is raw data put into an algorithm, right? But I think it gives us a good look at how each team should be in comparison to each other. But when you get into the playoffs, you start to see that really break open even more because now you get those teams that were in close conferences start to have – opponents that are common with other teams to give us a, a, a greater picture of what we should expect to happen. And one of those situations took place tonight with Altoff beating Dupac. I mean, if you take a look at ratings, Dupac was rated higher. They were the favorite by 11 points. And, and clearly that game went 41 to 18 in favor of Altoff. And if you told me to line up the two teams based off of what we knew, like I said, I, I felt Dupac could be a team that could play with them, but ultimately I would have told you I would have taken Altoff, and even in my show this week, I picked Altoff to beat Dupac. Yeah. Mitch, when you look around this 3A bracket, what, where, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about Princeton, obviously. You know, they're a one-loss team, and it was a last-second loss. You know, they, they were darn near an undefeated season again. Where do they fit in this 3A bracket, in this 3A field? Because like we talked about, the Big Northern, maybe not what they were the last few years. I see Catholics not in the mix anymore. That right. being said, Montini's in there. I guess I'll get to the point. Where, where do you feel like Princeton fits in here? I think they've got as good of a shot to get as far as they've been, right, this year. I don't. I don't, I don't know if this if this, if this 3A class isn't as strong as it's been in years past or if it's just more evened out. Um, obviously, having Lombard Martini in there throws a wrench into things quite a bit. Um, and I'm going to mispronounce this, so I always mispronounce this. Is it 
DeCoin. You got it. You got it. All right. Uh, they they beat Murfreesboro pretty pretty good tonight. Murfreesboro's four A. So um, we've we've I think we heard some Twitter chatter this week that they're pretty good. That DeCoin looks good. So, um, but yeah, going back to Princeton, they're playing really well. They've had no blemishes other than a last second field goal against Morrison. So they're they're playing as good as they have in years past going into the same time of year. Um, you know, don't have the Tegan Davises anymore and that maybe that one dynamic player, but they've got a handful of guys that have been around for a long time, a lot of winning football. They've been in this position before and they're as primed as ever to make yet another run here in three. A. Yeah. Well, Kyle, I'll ask you the same thing. Where, where does Dupec fit into this three, a field, you know, is, is there depending on matchups? We talked a lot early in the podcast about line play and how important that is for Dupec to have success. Where does this Dupec team fit in here? You know, I, I would say that Dupec's definitely a I, – I feel that they're a top-10 team when I take a look at different things. Now, going back to DeCoin beat Murfreesboro, huge game for DeCoin because Murfreesboro was the favorite in that game. But I also take a look at uh, their conference, and, I mean – Murfreesboro was in the state championship here just a couple years ago in 4A against Richmond Burton, and they were laughed off the field in the first half of that game. I mean, Kerry was begging me to go home and at halftime, and I was like, no, I want to stay. I got to watch this game. Yeah, it was like 50 to 12 or whatever it was. I mean, it was a joke, right? But um, I just – we have not seen anything out of Ducoin in recent years. Yes, they have a legendary program, great program, history, especially coming out of Southern Illinois. But we haven't seen them do much in recent years either. And, you know, I, I've seen the Twitter chatter that Mitch is talking about, but at the same time I've heard other people say Ducoin's not as good as their record. So, I mean, here it is again. It's one of those things where you're – you got to take it for what it is. And when I take a look at the rating system, I feel that Ducoin is a lower rated team than what their record says they are as well. I don't think that they're a top five, six team. Um, do I think they had a great season? Absolutely. Can they make a run in the three, a South playoffs? Yes. Because I think three, a North is definitely where is definitely going to be much tougher. I feel that one of the teams that's getting overlooked in 3A is Roxana. I think that's a team to watch in 3A South that we could potentially see uh, playing in Bloomington the Friday after Thanksgiving. You, I saw or heard you mention them. What do you like about them? What do you see? Because that's a name that as the year kept going, I was kind of putting them in my rankings, but I didn't know where to slot them because I, I don't know much about Roxana. They're not a program we're talking about year in and year out. They just, they, 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 they are a power run team and, you know, you know, me and power run teams, I, I always favor those, especially when we get into the colder months because. Hey, Mitch, you know, Mitch never wants to throw a pass ever. It doesn't matter how warm it is. So no, I, I mean, I've already <laughs> had that conversation tonight with somebody about Lena Winslow only throwing one pass all year. I'm like, yeah, they've only thrown one pass. They completed that pass, but why do they need to pass? They, They've been able to run the ball against everybody that they played. So tell me, why do you need to pass? I have no answer. 
Exactly. You don't because there isn't one. I mean, three things can happen when you pass the ball and two of them are bad, right? Yeah, that's so, classic. <laughs> yep. So, so why do it? I mean, especially when you get up against – I mean, we saw it in the first half tonight. I mean, why was Delina Winslow forced in game closer than what everybody anticipated it being? And then it broke open in the second half. I'll tell you why, because I found out that Forreston was able to control the second quarter of the game with what we all thought that they would, ball control. Uh, and, and when you are able to control the ball and slow the game down, you find yourself able to play with superior opponents, and at the same time, you're just going to suffocate the inferior opponents. And ultimately, that's what Lena Winslow did. While Forreston was able to slow down the machine of Lena Winslow, in the second half, Lena Winslow was able to suffocate Forreston and make it the lopsided score it ended up being. And I think that's where we're going to see Roxana do. They they have uh, a very good quarterback. They have a very good fullback, and they have some good team speed and um, granted, I haven't seen him play, so I'm just getting this second hand from people I know down in that area, and they're very impressed with what Roxana is. And then again, when I look at the rating system, they pop up at number three on the rating system. So, oh, um, <laughs> and uh, Mitch, your cat always comes out, you know, to hang out in the instant reacts. I'm trying to keep it quiet, <laughs> but that, and that and that. that in all honesty, that's why I like Roxana. And, and and just looking at the overall field, 3A South, I feel that um, they're, they're going to be a player. Yeah. Getting back to, you know, teams that we're covering, you know, our area, potentially Monmouth-Roseville has a 10-7 matchup against Noble-Johnson. So I believe that's a school out of Chicago area. I, I got to like that draw if you're, you know, Monmouth-Roseville in the first round, if they get it. They would potentially play Wilmington, who's the two seed, or a 15 seed Prairie Central in the second round. So, depending on how it shakes out, that that's not a bad opening draw or not a bad kind of bracket for Monmouth Roseville coming in at a five and four team, and I think a team that's still fairly young. So I think they have a lot of talent coming back next year as well to potentially build on. But um, I guess the last thing before we you know move on or before we kind of wrap up tonight. We talked about IC Catholic being out of 3A, and we obviously know that Montini is a you know potential state power. Are they a threat to win a, a 3A state title? Are they that good? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when you take a look at some of their games, and and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna refer back to the rating system. So when I look at the rating system. Number one's Byron, where they've been ranked all year anyway on everybody's state rankings. Byron's number one in it. And you take a look at who's number two in Montini Catholic, despite the fact that they've lost three straight. And Mitch, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure they lost to St. Lawrence tonight. I think they won. Did they? If they did, that's even more impressive because St. Lawrence was projected to win that game. And they won 24 to 17. Okay, so that just boosted Montini's chances even better because I had them going in at five and four, and here they are going in at six and three. So you take a look at their losses. They lost to Providence Catholic, who um, 
we said one tonight and they're going to be in the 5A playoffs. And they were a recent Granted, state champion, right? A few years ago. They, I can't remember if they won, but they were in the state championship game in 21. Mm-hmm. So two years ago, they lost to St. Did they lose to Juliet Catholic that year? Yes. For last year? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So they were runner-up. Good call, Mitch. Um, they lost to St. Viator, which that was only by a touchdown, and I felt that was a game Montini should have won. I And I even had projected them to win that one. But then they and only they, lost. And, and Viator won tonight, so they're 5-4. and four. They're in. And then they lost to Brother Rice. And Brother Rice is an 8A school that – you get them against some of the public schools up in 8A, you're going to pick Brother Rice to win those games. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so, yeah, I think Montini's definitely a very formidable opponent. I mean, they beat Nazareth Academy. Nazareth was your 5A state champ just a year ago. And I don't know if they won tonight. If they didn't, they would be four and five, and Nazareth would be one of the top teams to get in at four and five if we if we do, in fact, go to four and five at-large bids, which I yeah. feel is a high possibility we see. Nazareth lost to St. Francis, who's a good 5A school. Yeah. Interesting, yeah, because they had lost four straight to start the season, right? And then they racked off four wins, and then, okay, so they ended up yeah. yeah, five. Yeah, Nazareth had a loaded schedule. You know, yeah, they had a loaded yeah. schedule. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think hey, we'll you take a look at those losses. I mean, they lost to IC Catholic by two. They lost to Kankakee by seven. They lost to Montini by one. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think we'll uh, maybe wrap up the bracket talk there. Wrap it up at 3A. But, uh, you know, if you didn't if you didn't hear your school, we didn't talk enough about your school tonight, we certainly will talk about them tomorrow on the live NUIC playoff preview show live on YouTube. Just head to YouTube, search NUIC football. We'll, we'll be live as the brackets are released. We'll be breaking it all down, talking about the local teams that we cover, certainly talking about the NUIC, but teams in our area and also teams around the state. We got... Uh, you know, we got some feelers out to every, everybody around the area that we know, around the state, to give us information. We'll get that information out there. And then, Mitch, you and I will jump in and get our regular podcast on Tuesday morning that'll come out, and we'll go through everything. Every school that we have that's in the playoffs, we'll talk about it. And, you know, we usually get a little crazy and dive into the other brackets that even if we don't know a whole lot about it, we'll, you know, we're willing to talk, so we'll talk. Yeah. Can I – can I, can I just say some preview watching before the playoffs tomorrow? You've got number one in 8A Loyola going up against number one in 7A Mount Carmel. So Wow, on a sat- wow Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon <laughs> yeah. action there. It's, yeah, it's Saturday at 1, and I think they did that last year too. So, um, yeah, if you can find that, I don't know where it'll stream, if it's on NFHS or, or where, but a little pregame action if you can't wait for the, uh, the pairings to come out because that'll be, that'll be a really, really fun game of two just – Titans of Illinois football. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. All right, boys. I think we're going to wrap up the instant reacts tonight. And Kyle, in, in a matter of hours, I'm, I'm headed your way, man. 
<laughs> All right. I can't wait. I'm excited. Uh, I actually ran into Joe tonight, too, down in uh, Amboy because he was covering the game on the Polo Radio broadcast and got to sit in on the halftime show with Josh Dillon on the Amboy side of the radio broadcast. So um, it was very exciting. A lot of playoff talk already. And for good reason, we're finally here. This, like you say, this is the best five weeks of the year. And we it gets started tonight, even though we don't have any games, it gets started tonight with shuffling around everything on what just happened here in week nine. So always a, always a fun time of the year for sure. Yep. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who listens. Keep listening. We'll, we'll be talking all kinds of playoff stuff in the next couple of days. Check out NUICfootball.com. Check them out on YouTube and uh, you know, we'll be live there, but you know, Kyle, you're pumping out great content every week. And given your thoughts and projections and predictions, you know, as the playoffs move along. So, man, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Can't wait to see the brackets. Can't wait to talk about it. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to everybody next week. Mitch, we'll be back and we'll be, uh, you know, yeah. breaking it all down. Maybe, Mitch, what do you think tomorrow night if we do, a, you know, another reacts to the, to the pairings? Because you won't be able to be in person with Kyle and myself. So, right. Yeah, I mean, it'll probably take a couple of shows to really uh, dig into it and, and look at it. So, yeah, I'm all for that. All right. Well, maybe maybe that's a tease. Maybe there's a bonus episode coming here in the middle. But we'll definitely be live tomorrow night. And Mitch and I will definitely be here on Tuesday morning, you know, breaking down the brackets. But maybe a bonus episode slipped in between there. So, uh, all right, boys. Well, uh, get some sleep or do some homework or maybe a combination of both. And then we'll uh, we'll talk soon.